You have a very special nature. One we've worked hard together to unlock. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Luck It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Possessor, the 2020 British-Canadian science fiction psychological horror film written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg, the son of the notorious David Cronenberg, the guy that's known for always having the crazy body horror type uh, transformations and stuff like that. So this is his son who's creating uh, this movie, uh, Possessor. So don't know too much about Possessor uh, besides hearing that it was extremely violent, it's suspenseful, it's everything you would expect the the uh, the spawn of David Cronenberg would have. But I kind of think that this is a lot more uh, psychological in a way that I wasn't exactly expecting. I am not a David Cronenberg aficionado, so I don't know too much of his filmography outside of The Fly. And so I do know that he's very much focused on uh, like body transformations and stuff like that, really practical effects, that type of thing. And so I would expect that his son is somewhat in the same vein. Um, I got to say, really, really surprised by the film Possessor. Um, I have to say that it made my top 10 of... 2020. I don't remember exactly where it made it, but it made it top 10. And it was one of the last movies I watched of 2020. It just blew me out of the water. I honestly wasn't exactly sure how to describe this movie, except for saying that it was probably one of the more films that felt like it was an experience. It's one of the films I wish I would have been able to see in theaters and just been blown away from just like not having any idea about what this was about or what it was going to be about. And so I don't remember exactly what I said it was uh, a combination of, but most of the time I do describe Christopher Nolan's films as experiences. And I got to say, I think that this is nothing short of an experience of a movie. I mean, you're, you're in just another world is what it feels like and then the sound elements that go along with it I listen to it with headphones on and uh really just uh I was gonna say it uh, revolves around you but it like it absorbs you into the movie and so uh, with saying that most of the positive things I'd have to say about it almost everything good about it um, sorry, there's many aspects of this movie. The majority of it, I'd say, is good. When it gets a little bit difficult is when it kind of gets into the little bit of the torture porn-ish a little bit. You know, they kind of revel in the violence a little bit extra in a way that I'd necessarily, if I was directing the movie, I would not have done. But other than that, um, besides it being, you know, darker in theme and in tone, it is a very interesting movie in the way that it's um, presented and uh, could definitely use a little bit lighter of a touch when it comes down to 
uh, how dark it is, I, I think that you just have to be ready for that type of movie when you're going in. It's extremely violent, dark, bleak, and experience, suspense, all of those. When it says it's a psychological horror film, it's very much in the psychological. Um, and it's very visually interesting, to say the least. I mean, the visual aspects of this movie are extremely dynamic. I tried to find the cinematography. Okay, so music by Jim Williams. Uh, not uh, not terribly familiar with this guy. Um, his te he has television credits and stuff like that. Um, looks like from British television. And uh, Kareem Hussan. I, another Canadian filmmaker is the cinematographer of this. I have not seen any of the films that they have worked on, but I was very impressed with what they had under their belt. Um, I don't see anything that is probably any anybody would know off the top of their head. Um, uh, he's worked with Cronenberg before, it appears, on Antiviral, which was... I believe his first film was Cronenberg's first film, but I'm not 100% sure. Let me see. Filmography, um, Antiviral was his first feature, yeah. And so this is his second feature past that, and it's very impressive. Um, yeah, so let me see what else we have. Uh, okay, Jim. Okay, so starring Andrea Riseborough. She is very much... I don't want to say she's an up-and-coming because I think she's been in a lot of things. It's just she hasn't always been one of those actresses that um, everyone knows off the top of their head. But they're, whenever they see her, they're always like, oh, yeah, I do remember her. She was in that one movie. And so she's become way more relevant within uh, more uh, movies, bigger feature films. She was in kind of the, the indie darling that a lot of people liked with uh nicholas cage mandy 2018 that was one of my favorite movies that year um she was in the death of stalin battle of the sexes nocturnal animals birdman oblivion welcome to the punch disconnect she has her dancer um and many other different uh pieces of media portrayal she had a bafta nomination for portrayal of uh, margaret thatcher let me see what else she has. She has stage credits as well. So she's um, theatrically and, I guess, trained in theater as well. Um, I really enjoy Andrea Riseborough as an actress because she brings this really – 39, wow. Um, she brings this really interesting layer of mystique in a way. I, I, I wouldn't picture her of being 39. I don't think I picture her of being like – an older, uh, older individual. Um, but I do picture her having that, uh, the wisdom that comes along with having seen a lot of things. I just feel like that's the kind of character that she plays as someone that's been around the block. Um, and let me see what else we have. Uh, she was only half of the cast that I was very impressed by in Possessor. Um, Christopher Abbott, he was an actor I had found in, what was it? Um, oh, what was he? He was in an HBO. Oh, he was in Girls. He was in The Center. Okay, as Mason, um, Mason 
Tanetti. He kind of had a more low-key, um, less strenuous, much less strenuous role in the center from what I can remember. I think it was season two. Um, but don't take my word for it. I think I think it was season two. Was it? Was it season two? I can't remember anyways. Um, Christopher Abbott was in maybe season one. Anyways, um, Christopher Abbott was able to show some range while he was um, in the center. But once I saw him in this, I was sold. I was absolutely sold on this actor and his ability to kind of transfer the... uh, the story of Andrea Riseborough, um, without going into too much spoilers, them combining together to be kind of this force in this movie is just amazing. And so, um, let me see if I can give this a synopsis for this without going into too many spoilers. Um, I I'm trying to give a kind of beat around the bush about what exactly this movie is about because it, it's if you're already sold on having um, you know Cronenberg behind the camera, you have Riseborough and Abbott in front of the camera, um, and they're bringing their A game in this just really intense psychological uh, kind of sci-fi horror film. Um, I would definitely check it out for that reason if you're just even remotely interested in that. Given it is violent, it is dark, just know that going in. Don't go in this coming in uh, thinking you're going to have tons of laughs and it's a big old happy, happy. Um, (laughs) uh, But let me see. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to give the synopsis of um, of this away. Um, plot. Okay. Coming up. Okay, so here's the plot coming up, because I I wish I did not know this going into it, but even describing it is just a lot of fun, discovering how this movie works. And so, here's the plot for Possessor. This is not the spoiler section. Once we're at the spoiler section, I'll let everyone know, because generally we're going to start pushing the uh, Patreon as the only section that is going to get um, this um, this part of the review after the spoiler-free section. And so here we go with the plot. Plot for Possessor. Um, Possessor follows an agent who works as a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. This was a movie that came came to mind almost immediately. Now, I don't think that saying the plot of another movie really is spoiling it, so I'm going to go ahead and give you 15 seconds to, uh, to skip ahead if you don't want to know what the plot of Inception is. Um, but... The plot of Inception, real quickly, essentially, you jump into someone else's brain and, or sorry, you jump into someone else's mind and influence their decisions through their dreams, a.k.a. Inception. Um, so this is kind of in the same realm. Uh, possessor is physically taking over someone's body. 
and uh, in choosing what their um, choosing what their actions and emotions are. Now, that's all good and dandy, but what happens if you start to lose control in that in that in someone else's body, or if someone or if that person's body is starting to come back awake? Like, um, there's a lot of questions that go into the logistics of quote unquote. Uh, using a brain and implant technology to inhabit someone else's body. Like it's very, I think it's considered a low concept, but it's uh, pretty intense to think about. It's like if someone could take over your body and do whatever they wanted to do with it, that's one of the scariest things you could think of. But what are the possibilities when it comes down to a movie? And so what what would naturally come about when, when this is happening? So... Um, here are the notes I have for Possessor. Um, Possessor. It feels like an experience right off the bat. The cinematography is amazing. The colors, the close-up shots, the violence feels very visceral. I don't know if that's necessarily a pro, but it's just something that you notice. Um, the sounds and the and the way that it puts you into the emotions and the, the sorry in the way that it puts you into the scene is you can feel what is happening as it's happening um the editing is very slick in a way that it feels like this is a conventional uh uh, film in some parts but then it kind of goes into this weary kind of indie territory where the the camera shots are a little bit extra lingering than usual but in a way that i like the the acting the acting in it is phenomenal uh between abbott and uh, Riseborough, it's even said on Wikipedia that they were praised for their performances. I, I, they absolutely need to be praised for their performances considering how intense of performances they have to give at, on such like a whim in a way. So I was just very impressed by that. Jennifer Jason Lee, she is cold hearted. I'll tell you that and not, not like as a, as a person, but the, the character she's always playing, even as far back a couple years back what was it uh the hateful eight or something like that that's that's kind of her forte she's almost like a character actress that is always playing like the same individual just like this hard-ass lady and uh she plays no different here and so what i really like about this movie is that in a way that it kind of can be compared to inception in a way similarly is that it has like these these rules that come out and really uh are solidified in a way that are showing you how how the world works, and that's I always enjoy that in movies, um, showing the technical aspects about it. Okay, we can do this for this long. How does it make us do this? Oh, we have this machine that makes us do this. You know, that's those are the kind of movies I like doing that. And then normally, once they establish that this can happen, something crazy can happen in the world. What happens if we turn that over on its head, or you know? You don't cross the streams. Okay, well, what happens if we cross the streams? You know, it's that kind of thing. So I uh, I enjoyed the experience of watching Possessor. I got to say it's, it's one of the most intense things I've seen. Cons, it's brutal as hell. Like, like I said, um, the violence feels extremely visceral and real in a way that almost feels like they, they take it, you know, they revel in it in a way. Um, 
I would say this movie could use some levity in some parts. The levity that could definitely be applied to this movie um, seems like it could really just, um, it could help people feel a little bit better with these characters that we're watching. I know not every movie is supposed to say, hey, this is a good guy, this is a bad guy, because things can be very uh, black and white in some movies, and then some can have many uh, shades of gray. And so... Um, I will say by the end of this, you might have some mixed feelings on, on who exactly is the good and who's the bad. Um, yeah, bloody as hell, very easy to understand so far. Okay. So this was the comparison. I said that this is like the movie when they're like, get out of my head. Um, (laughs) you know, they, uh, always taking over everybody's bodies, but there was another movie that I was thinking about when I was thinking about, uh. Uh, writing the notes for this podcast. This is like Avatar, not The Last Airbender, Avatar, the 2009, uh, David, was it Cameron, Cameron, Avatar movie, whatever the hell, what was it, James Cameron? James Cameron, I think, I think I said David Cameron. James Cameron Avatar meets Christopher Nolan's Inception and added big dash of horror, psychological horror into it. And that's what this movie kind of feels like. It's like taking over the body of another being kind of thing. Uh, Okay, so, yeah, that kind of takes me into the spoiler section. And from here, just wanted to let everyone know, not all podcasts are recorded live but we have many podcasts that are recorded live on twitch and so if you are listening on twitch you're going to get the spoiler section alongside the individuals that are in the patreon section we'll leave this up only for the people that are subscribing to the lucky doll podcast on twitch um, for one or two days and then they'll be released on patreon like i said this does not happen with all of the podcast i'm just trying to have a nice fluctuation of individuals starting to go to the twitch platform um, also check out the youtube check out the soundcloud if you want the podcasts early like i said all of these podcasts will be produced um, early and released early on the patreon Uh, feed as well so always check that out in the show notes for any additional uh look at all podcast goodness you can find if you want to support the podcast and you can't throw a buck or two don't worry about it you can still go on itunes you can still go on youtube you can still go on twitch rate share subscribe follow uh double thumbs up do whatever you can to help support the podcast all of that really helps um, grow the podcast and show the support. It also makes me feel good too. makes me know that we are providing a decent service, that you like the reviews. I don't want to just talk to the void, you know, talk to nobody. So um, I I generally get pretty good reviews on the people that like listening to the the longer podcast. And, you know, just let me know how I can improve as well. So it's not always just about saying, yeah, I love it, but you know, how, how can we get a little bit better? So, um, cultivating the community, we'll, we'll try to continue in, in that direction. So, um, for everyone else, uh, if you are watching on YouTube or listening on another platform, um, be sure to check out at lucky dog podcast. That's one word, 
Lucky Dog Podcast, and you'll be able to find all of the Lucky Dog goodness, and uh, you'll be able to join us in the spoiler section there. All right, so for everyone else, we are jumping into the spoiler section. Um, and yeah, so spoiler section for Possessor starting right now. Okay, so in alternate 2008, Tasia Voss, an assassin who takes control of others' bodies to carry out her hits, through an implant installed in her unwitting host's brain, Voss can use a special machine to insert a consciousness into her, their minds. She returns to her body by forcing the host to commit suicide at the end of each job, which is very intense, but also very much in the same realm of what we had talked about um, in the, the other movies earlier. Um, when this is just thrown in the beginning, almost in a similar fashion, how we're thrown into the job, we're thrown into the job in Inception at the beginning of that movie. We're thrown into the job of this assassin at the beginning of this movie. Um, due to the amount of time she spends intimidating other people, Voss, with increasing detachment from her own identity and cannot fully separate her work from her interactions with her husband, Michael, and son, Ira. Um, when they're inserting these things and into like the body of the head or, or, or to the cranium or whatever the hell it is, kind of uh, trying to uh, like enter into the matrix, into the other person's brain and stuff like that. It's it's intense when they're showing the different levels of emotion they're trying to have, they're going to have to carry out as this individual, like just testing. Uh, that's fucking intense. I'll be honest. Um, and and Chris Abbott and I think Riseborough. And anybody that is being taken over mentally has to have a lot of, um, like, pent-up emotion built a little bit. Excuse me. Let me get a little bit of water. So, what do we have? Um... She practices assuming her normal persona the same way she practices impersonating her hosts. Thoughts of violence haunt her ordinary domestic life, such as when putting Ira to bed and having sex with Michael. There was a lot of interesting editing that was happening with this um, particular uh, individual, you know, Riseborough having to, uh, having to, it's almost like a PTSD from, living this life as an assassin, which is very interesting, which we don't get to see uh, portrayed very often. We mostly see the badassness of this type of behavior. The 007s generally aren't being, ha you know, haunted by the people that he's killing. Um, but this isn't exactly 007. It's not, uh, I mean, it does make the kills look very visceral is the word that keeps coming back to me. Voss's handler, ret retired assassin Gritter, uh, is, uh, sorry, Guy Gerder? Gerder? Is that how you say that? I don't even know what the hell. I'm going to speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it. Gerder. Gerder. Okay, so... 
Voss's handler, retired assassin Gerder, is critical of her desire to remain connected to her family and expresses the belief that Voss would be a better killer without personal attachments. In a debriefing session meant to connect, reconnect her with her real identity, Voss sorts through a series of objects associated with personal memories and pauses on a butterfly that she pinned and framed as a child. She tells Gerder she feels guilty for killing it. And so this is going to be kind of the navigation of how uh, Riseboro is dealing with loss as uh, in her humanity. It's like the butterfly almost is the humanity she she still has. So um, despite her fragile mental state and fatigue with her work, Voss agrees to perform a major hit on wealthy CEO John Parse and his daughter Ava. So John Parse is played by Sean Bean, and if anybody knows who the hell Sean Bean is, Ned Stock maybe, but also if you've ever seen Sean Bean in almost any other movie, I think Sean Bean is up there with one of the top actors that is most likely to die in a movie. So when you see Sean Bean, usually, usually there's, uh, you know. Uh, what is the the guillotine is hanging over his head <laughs> it's like it's all in good time that this guy is probably going to die and so um by possessing ava's fiance colin tate um angela riseborough needs to um take on this mission to to um to kill john and his daughter and so i was like this is intense so he, she has to go really fucking far into this this uh assassination situation it's not always as easy as just taking over somebody's body and making a hit sometimes they have to make it look like it's it's in public and so that many of the times that it might look like it's without question who did it and so um the hit is only a partial success this is taking kind of a big leap in what happens in the plot. I mean, she really has to go undercover to be in Colin's body and trust, have the trust of all these people. And she also has this, like, uh, she can hear what uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is saying in her head as well. And so the hit is only a partial success. Ava dies, but Parse survives. So this whole little part, I mean, there's probably 20 minutes of the movie at least that she has to go in and infiltrate and t get the trust of all, you know, these individuals, go to a party, make it look like this is some craziness happening, uh, you know, ruckus in the family. And then at the very end, it is just this scene where it feels like the camera is just sitting there for a second watching this terrible murder happen. And uh, it is... Uh, it's hard to watch Ava. Well, first, before Ava, it's hard to watch John Parse and uh, Chris Abbott have this really intense conversation. You know what actually reminded me of? Chris Abbott looks like a knockoff Jon Snow. And so it looked like Jon Snow was like killing Sean Bean, or it kind of looked like Jon Snow was like killing Ned Stark. I was just like, oh my God. And we have this uh, extremely violent scene where. Chris Abbott is like poking his fucking eye. I was like, ah, just like, I was just like not ready for that type of torture 
porn in a way. I was just like, this is not what I signed up for. And this is this was the scene, I think, that it was showing that the character and the camera are kind of lingering in what's getting in the it's the festering wound. It's the the thing in the eye. It's like I can't deal with things like pen. I, I don't someone getting stabbed, someone getting, you know, a needle, someone getting uh, a sword, someone getting shot. Mostly, most of those ways of penetration in the skin don't normally make me fester, just kind of like, you know, like move around in my seat, kind of like wiggle. But seeing him like poke Sean Bean's face with a fucking fire poker, it just like had me like, is like, make it stop. And so, that's what was really nasty on top of uh, then right after he does that, he slowly is uh, following like Ava into the kitchen where she is just crawling to get away from Chris Abbott's character. It's uh, Angela Ange- uh, Riseborough's character in Chris Abbott's body. And it is it's a very difficult scene to watch. It just feels almost too visceral in a way. Uh, it's so weird how we can watch just what feels like endless amounts of murder in different areas. But when it comes to like a residential time or a residential place and there's just this like very, dis, you know, disheartening kind of human behavior, it's just it's hard to watch. And so this was one of those scenes that were was just very difficult to watch for me. But uh, yeah. So anyways, we find out that Ava dies, but Parse Later, we find out survives, which is very intense, which means Chris Abbott's character is now on the run from uh, from John Pars because John John Pars can now identify who it, who's uh, done this. Voss attempts to flee the scene by forcing Tate to shoot himself, but she discovers she cannot make him pull the trigger. So we find out that Riseborough, she's been having these like off sessions, like, you know, uh, thinking that she's been losing control in the bodies that she's taking care of or that she's uh, in the bodies that she's um, inhabiting. And Chris Abbott is kind of coming back from whatever state he is. And so there it's Chris Abbott is having to play this character with uh, both Riseborough taking over his body and himself taking back over his own body. And it is just like very, like very intense. And so um, let me see. So Voss attempts to flee the scene by forcing Tate to shoot himself, but discovers she cannot make him pull the trigger. And so, um, let me, let me, uh, okay, so Tate instead stabs himself in the skull in an act of a re- rebellion. Um, I don't remember exactly where he stabbed himself in the skull. I don't, did that like, let me see. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. I don't remember, I guess it didn't, wasn't that big of a deal, to be honest. The damage, this damages the implant, and Voss discovers she cannot leave Tate's body or overpower his will. So this was kind of the the folding in of, you know, the terrible things that could probably happen in this movie. And thinking about 
taking over somebody's body is scary, but thinking about being stuck in someone else's body is just like a completely another story. It's just like, oh my goodness, cannot deal. It's just like, uh, you know? So, um, so Tate regaining control. This is Chris Abbott, his, his, him and his character and his body does not know why he killed his girlfriend, um, or why he has begun to experience false fragmented memories of another person of another person Voss's life so he's starting to lose his fucking mind I you know it would be just horrifying finding out that you killed um someone you love and you had no idea you did it like that I couldn't even imagine like fathoming that is just ridiculous to think about but then thinking about someone taking over your body just feels like intrusive in so many ways um among you know obviously killing that's just ridiculous um tate instead stabs himself in the skull oh i already said that um fragmented memories of voss's life so uh chris abbott is remembering voss's life and kind of giving us a little bit of backstory about who she was um the traumatized and disoriented tate flees from the crime scene to his friend rita's apartment um, he kills Rita while struggling with disassociated memories on a hit on of the hit on Parse and Ava. There's this whole scene where we're like, all right, so he's finally got a friend. He's finally got someone that can help him. And I should have known based off of how much she was helping him that she was going to die. And based off of how like dark the movie is, like, there's no let, letting up. Anybody that these people came in contact with, absolutely relentless, absolutely dark. And so um, I thought Rita was going to be the help, but ends up she's dead as well. He kills Rita while struggling with disassociated memories of on the hit on Parse and Ava. Eddie, another employee from Voss's company, arrives at the apartment to help her regain control and complete Tate suicide. So you know what I actually did? notice that they completely leave out is the fact that there's like a like a big paragraph right here where riseboro takes over chris abbott's body for what i think is probably a day or two before chris abbott actually kills or attempts to kill john parson and his daughter and during that time she's taking she is in chris abbott's body uh at his job and this is where we actually find um the other person that bumps into him, Eddie, Eddie is actually an undercover agent, secret agent that works at Chris Abbott's company for a little bit. And we don't know that at the time we first meet Eddie, but then Eddie comes back later. And so I do got to say this like extremely, extremely, I mean, the movie is intrusive. The movie, the movie should have been called intrusive. Um, and crucified or something like that 2020 i don't know but uh chris abbott's job what the fuck is chris abbott's job he's got like these vr glasses on and he's looking in on people's like webcams and shit like that and identifying the things in the room and i guess just kind of uh setting up some sort of profile for them which would be absolutely horrifying to even think about he's just like okay they have a sony Sony webcam, check, okay, he has a coffee maker on the side, check, he has PV speakers, check, and he's like, just 
building these these people's lives and I guess portfolios based off of just looking in their room, which I don't even know. It's it's literally the epitome of being spied on that people are are horrified about. It's this is the job, and so. Um, yeah, so going back to when Eddie, okay, so Eddie from another comp, from another employee from Voss's company arrives at the apartment to help re, help Angela Riseborough regain control of Tate and complete Tate's suicide. Um, and given what the editing of what's going on, we're not too lost. I feel like the whole time I knew what was relatively going on with how confusing the movie could have been for only an hour and four minutes. It's not a, it's not even, uh, it's like an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. I don't know. It's very, it's reasonably length, length, length. I don't know what I'm, it's a reasonable length. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, let me see what's here. Okay. So the, uh, the attempt fails to try to kill Chris Abbott's character again, the, as in a suicide, Voss is still unable to make uh, Tate kill himself. Instead, Tate becomes aware of the presence inside his body, of her presence inside his body. His consciousness overpowers her in a psychiatric confrontation, giving him access to memories of her husband, child, and home. He kills Eddie during the internal battle, and I think we he just like wakes up and all of a sudden this is what happens. Now I believe what I'm describing in this little, uh, uh, Tate versus, uh, Abbott kind uh, sorry, uh, Chris Abbott and Riseborough kind of struggling together is when the face mask I think goes on and kind of like what's behind me. You can, you can see it on the poster and she's like becoming Chris Abbott character and they're kind of merging as one and so it is it's this is where the psychological horror is just meeting everything and it's just like really fucking insane from a visual standpoint this is where i think i realized i really like the movie just based off of the internal struggle of these characters and kind of understanding who they were, I felt like really meets their match here. Now, I can't say that we know too much about these characters before all of this is happening, with the exception of the flashbacks that we get of Riseborough. So Chris Abbott's character, we barely know who he is um, before, but we don't ever think that he was a terrible guy or that he would ever do this. So he's kind of the protagonist, to be honest, in this movie. So, um, yeah. Abbott kills Eddie during their internal battle once he wakes up from this crazy mishmash of like colors and and emotion psychological emotional trauma happening. I I I don't know exactly how to describe it, it's crazy. So Tate goes to Voss's home and holds her husband at gunpoint, demanding to know what she did to him. Which this is the part where I'm like, all right, so these are this is more collateral damage to the movie, which I feel like lends to it being slightly darker and a little bit unnecessary at that point. Um Tate goes to Voss's home and holds her husband at gunpoint, demanding to know what she did to him. Voss appears and goads Colin into killing Michael so that she can be freed from her personal attachments. So... When Michael knocks the gun from... Hold on, Colin... 
So it's like Voss Riseboro is almost telling is is saying that she wants to be rid of her personal attachments apparently, um, and to kill Michael, which is her husband. When Michael knocks the gun from Tate's hand, Chris Abbott, Tate kills him with a meat cleaver. Oh yeah, this was very brutal. This was when uh, Chris Abbott just kind of like spazzes. He's just like, all right, this is where he kind of doesn't become the protagonist we really want him to be. He just breaks down emotionally, mentally, all the way. Um, when Michael knocks the gun from the hand, kills him with a meat cleaver, and it's just like repeatedly just deesh, get a deesh, get a deesh. And I was thinking about it. I was like, oh my gosh, the kid. Oh my gosh, the kid. And so moments later, Ira stabs Tate in the throat, finally killing him. So, uh, <laughs> finally killing him. It's like, this motherfucker won't die. <laughs> uh, Tate uses his last moments to fatally shoot Ira. Though the murder is portrayed as Voss shooting Ira. Voss herself shooting Ira. So Voss returns to her own body and discovers uh, Gerder had taken control of Ira to end her struggle with Tate. With Ira and Michael both dead, she is now free of all human attachments, just like Gritter wanted. Ooh. I didn't know that Gritter wanted that. In another debriefing, Voss sorts through the same personal objects from the beginning of the film. She hands the butterfly again, but does not express... She handles the butterfly again, but does not express any guilt for killing it. So I'm assuming by the end of this movie, Angela Riseborough has lost all of her humanity. And I assume that's what the butterfly... Is a metaphor for. Thus, the end of Possessor 2020. Let me know what you thought about the review. Let me know what you thought about Possessor, the film. Um, you know, let me know how we can improve on the review. Um, you know, did you like the movie? Did you like the review? How can we improve all the above? Be sure to check out patreon.com slash luckydogpodcast for all of the stuff you need to know. You'll find it there, Lucky Dog Podcast. Um, yeah, you'll get the stuff early. You'll get it live on Twitch. You'll get it mastered on SoundCloud. You'll get it all the good stuff on YouTube as well. So be sure to check out all the fun social medias there. We have... Uh, the links below. Thank you all, for everyone in the Patreon that is um, supporting us as well. Be sure to five stars on iTunes if you have not already. That helps us rank up in the books and on the charts. So thank you for listening, watching Lucky Doll Podcast. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover on this uh, fine uh, Saturday evening. I don't know. I, I got to check to make sure y'all that this sound and everything is sounding all good. We are shooting in a brand new studio. So let me know how we can improve. By the way, I would have given this about an eight out of 10. Um, I got to say that it's pretty interesting that Possessor's only gotten six out of 
six and a half out of ten on IMDb as an average, and it's ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't always check these because I don't always think that they're the most accurate, but I think that's kind of des- describes how how it goes down. Um, you can also watch it right now with a premium subscription on Hulu. So, um, yeah, now you know how to watch it. Now, uh, now you know the review. Let me know how I can improve, and thank you for listening, Sometimes. watching Luck It Out podcast. Take it small thought. All it takes. Children's control.